this is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Aaron Einstein, Chief Medical Officer at Notable and former Vice President of Digital Health at UCSF Health. Aaron, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Great to be with you, Laura. Thank you. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in the digital health space and, and things are really moving quickly. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. But before we dive into the, the broader discussion, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, of course. So um, I I like to joke that I'm what an American that what happens when an American studies major goes to medical school. Uh, that's a, uh, a rip off of Bob Walker, who's who's made a similar joke for for many years. But uh, uh, I've been uh, a clinical informaticist and a practicing endocrinologist for for many years. Uh, was vice president of digital health at UCSF Health most recently, and as of uh, this month, uh, have made the move to be chief medical officer at Notable. Um, and so, you know, across my career, I've just really been uh, deeply moved by interdisciplinary learning, by trying to connect dots across business, technology, healthcare, uh, science, sociology. And so, um, you know, the field of informatics became very interesting to me because as a practicing physician, you get to uh, have a positive impact one patient at a time. Um, when you work in informatics, you can really move, uh, you can really have impacts at a much broader uh, scale uh, across many more people. And so I found that uh, really exciting uh, as I started my career. So um, over the years, um, helped lead our EHR uh, implementation and optimization at UCSF. Uh, was co-founder of a, a nonprofit organization called Tidepool that builds software for people with diabetes, um, and over the past 10 years, really helped build our digital health programs at UCSF um, in precision digital marketing, uh, patient communications, patient access and scheduling, uh, referrals intake, uh, deploying AI capabilities at UCSF, building programs in, in telehealth and virtual care, uh, and really helping drive digital transformation at UCSF. So moving more towards uh, a product mindset, uh, incorporating and building a human-centered design practice, uh, agile uh, methodology, uh, use of embedded analytics, uh, and really trying to help UCSF become a more digital organization. Um, Fortunate to still have a clinical practice in endocrinology where, where I focus on diabetes care uh, and really love doing that um, and have also been really fortunate to be engaged uh, in federal health IT policy. So uh, I serve on the federal high tech, the health information technology advisory committee uh, and really passionate about advancing federal policy related to uh, patient data access, interoperability, APIs, uh, and, and advancing virtual care capabilities across the country. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned recently, took this role as chief medical officer at Notable, 
uh, and and very excited about uh, having the opportunity to to really continue my passion for removing inefficiencies from the system. Um, you know, thinking about all of the administrative burden that gets in the way of, of providing great care to patients, uh, and how can we use technology and, and modern capabilities to remove those administrative burdens and make the patient experience uh, much better uh, than it has been uh, over the past years. That's amazing to hear. And what a great journey for your career in terms of starting off as a clinician and obviously making a huge impact on the patients that you're serving, but then broadening that out um, as an informaticist and, and doing a ton to uh, make the healthcare system more efficient and, and better from the technology side and touching so many more lives. And then, you know, I, I know in the past few years, as you were talking about, digital transformation has been such a huge undertaking uh, for so many health systems as well as UCFS Health. And from your perspective, when you're looking at, um, you know, some of the opportunities and headwinds, what do you have your eye on right now? What do you really see as being spaces that um, have a lot of open opportunity, but also, um, you know, things that are, could be potential roadblocks or challenges for digital transformation in the healthcare space? Yeah, I think there, there's sort of the, the macro, um, trends that have been, you know, going on for the last 10, 15 years in healthcare, and then the, the things that have really accelerated in the past year or two uh, when we think about the headwinds. I, I think the broader trend is that uh, unlike other industries where technology has really transformed the consumer experience, uh, has driven uh, a lot of efficiency, has maybe lowered costs, those things haven't happened yet in healthcare. And as an industry, we largely, you know, we've moved from paper to uh, digital records, but we haven't really been, we haven't really leveraged technology to make the consumer experience better, to lower costs, to improve access, um, and to, to really tackle some of the big challenges that we uh, face in the healthcare system. And, and we're seeing those challenges get worse these past few years, really exacerbated by the pandemic. So, you know, burnout among our providers and our nurses and people leaving the workforce, uh, rising cost of, of labor uh, for hospitals and health systems and facing labor shortages, unable to hire enough staff to, uh, to staff hospitals with nurses, to staff clinics with uh, clinic staff, um, worsening frustrations among patients with, with challenges in access to care, long wait times for care, uh, friction in a subpar uh, experience. And at the end of the day, you know, the, these headwinds on health systems, the impact these have on, on all of us as, as people and patients and parents, um, you know, it's getting harder for people to afford care. It's getting harder for people to access care. We're seeing widening health disparities. And so I think the, the real opportunity now over the coming years is to actually leverage technology to do the things that we've seen technology do in other industries. Um, so a few examples of what I mean by that. So, you know, areas where I've been focused um, improving the front door for patients. So, you know, if you have a refer, you get a new diagnosis of, you know, diabetes or uh, inflammatory bowel disease or cancer, and you get a referral to see a specialist, 
there are a million hurdles uh, standing in your way between you know, wanting to see a specialist and getting through to that appointment and getting the care that you need. And so how do we use technology to uh, automate, streamline, reduce friction, reduce inefficiencies from that process all the way from referrals to, the, to authoriza authorizations, to scheduling, um, to everybody's, uh, you know, people still dread the clipboard uh, for, for intake and registration with the health system. But it, it should be much easier to get from, I want to see a new doctor for this new condition I have, um, to actually seeing your doctor. And so how do we use technology to eliminate all of the friction uh, that's in the way there? And, and some of that is uh, friction in the, in the patient experience. And a lot of it is really what's under the surface, the operations in health systems, you know, still faxing documents around uh, lots of inefficiencies in uh, workflows that require a lot of clinic staff to you know type information in or or make a phone call outreach and a lot of opportunities for uh, technology and automation there um, there's similarly you know once people are engaged with a with a physician lots of opportunities for ongoing uh, engagement through the patient's care experience. Um, you know, again, thinking about someone with diabetes or Crohn's disease or cancer, you know, you see your doctor, uh, they give you a, uh, some recommendations for follow-up items, you know, pick up a new prescription, go to the lab. Um, and that's kind of scribbled on a piece of paper or it's in the electronic health record, but it's kind of manual. And so, how do we help support people in getting those things done, in scheduling those next steps, in checking in with them to make sure they were able to get the medication from the pharmacy, in, in uh, checking in with them a week later to see if they have any side effects from that new medication? Again, you know, the information is probably in a computer now, but it's essentially on a piece of paper in a computer because our systems are not supporting patients in uh, in educating them and in, in supporting them in taking those next steps in, in their care. Um, and then I think the last piece is, you know, as you look broadly uh, across digital and healthcare, you know, people are appropriately concerned that technology uh, could worsen disparities. We obviously have huge challenges with, with health disparities uh, in this country. The way I look at it is I, I think technology actually has the opportunity to reduce disparities because by giving everyone the exact same experience that isn't tailored to people's individual needs, um, which is the way things kind of are today, um, I think that's part of what may worsen disparities. But we can use technology to actually understand people's individual needs. You know, what language do you speak? What's your education uh, level, um, what's your family situation, or what hours of the day uh, is best to communicate with you? Is that morning or evening? And really understand people's personal preferences and, and needs uh, and tailor our outreach and our, our engagement with them to their individual needs. I think that has a significant opportunity to personalize and, and create more uh, equity uh, and and reduce disparities. So uh, I, I think there's you know lots of clearly lots of headwinds um, 
that we're facing as an industry, um, but uh, lots of opportunities facing us to um, improve th those outcomes that we really care about. That's such a great point, Aaron, and thinking through all the different ways that technology could make a difference for the healthcare system operationally, as well as patient outcomes and personalizing medicine in more, more ways that could close some of those health disparity gaps. And, you know, from your perspective, you've been in the field for a long time and really seen how technology is integrating in healthcare and some of the unique challenges um, with that as well. So, you know, what does growth look like in order to meet these, this reality that you're talking about? in terms of integrating technology like they have in so many other industries to um, improve the patient experience, to cut costs, to become more efficient. How do you grow as an organization and really add value with the technology that's available? So I, I think sometimes it's, it's counterintuitive because of what, uh, what gets the headlines. So I think there are a lot of exciting ideas for how um, healthcare can change dramatically, you know, where there can be disruption, where we can completely uh, change care models or disrupt uh, the way things work today. And, and I think those are very exciting and very important. Uh, at, at the same time, you take a very pragmatic look at where there's friction today, where there's challenges, I think there's so many opportunities uh, to identify process efficiencies, remove friction from within care delivery systems today. I, I was uh, talking to someone last week uh, who's at a hospital and is a uh, revenue cycle uh, leader, and she was recounting her challenge. So she had a team who helped patients with cancer get uh, authorization to get their chemotherapy infusions. Uh, and with labor challenges over the last year, she's lost many uh, people on that team and no longer has enough staff to um, help patients get authorizations for chemotherapy infusions when they, when they show up, when they wanna show up for those. Um, I was talking to someone else who, who works in patient access uh, at another health system and they said their doctors have empty space in their schedules because they don't have enough access center staff to help create appointments and help do the scheduling uh, for, uh, for their doctors. And so I think, you know, again, as we were talking about these headwinds, there, there are some just very pragmatic, basic challenges that our healthcare delivery systems are facing and these are opportunities to use technology uh, and automation to help. Um, these are things that uh, helping, you know, fill out authorization uh, forms and send them to the payers or helping patients self-schedule uh, and, and managing the intake and scheduling electronically. Uh, these are things that technology can achieve. And so I think they're, uh, is a lot of low-hanging fruit out there where we can reduce inefficiencies, support the health systems that are struggling with uh, not enough staff and not enough people to manage these workflows. Uh, and at the same time, by, you know, we don't have to design something very fancy to make the experience better for patients. Um, 
it's removing all of these inefficiencies and blockers that are in the system and all of this extra work that health systems are, are trying to do with not enough staff. Uh, and I think, you know, that may not draw the headlines, uh, but I think by solving those challenges kind of in the, in the bowels of every health system, uh, we can really, uh, you know, move the needle uh, on those outcomes again, you know, patient access to care, reducing disparities, lowering costs. Um, so those are the things I'm really excited about. And I was, I was happy to see the New York Times actually did, I can't remember exactly what the uh, headline was last week, but um, they, uh, they, they did a piece basically headlining, you know, AI is not uh, necessarily going to uh, do all of the, the fancy things yet in healthcare, but uh, it's going to start making your life easier. And I think that's the right headline. And, and Eric Topol wrote about this uh, in his last book saying, you know, we don't need AI to cure cancer. We just need it to help restore uh, the doctor-patient relationship and, and remove administrative burden. And I, I think that's where we're going to see the value uh, over the next several years uh, and really have impacts there. That makes so, so much sense and, and definitely love that idea of, you know, really first and foremost focused on how healthcare can be easier with artificial intelligence and other technologies and then, you know, seeing uh, seeing where things go from there. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense and I appreciate you spelling out um, some of those different areas where disruptions, you know, may happen, but but really it's kind of like the, the little areas and the little spaces where it can make a big difference. Um, operationally as well as clinically. I know for a lot of hospitals and health systems, they're being presented with, um, on a daily basis, a lot of new technologies now, a lot of AI-driven um, applications and, and functionalities and platforms and whatnot um, to, to consider to help them in the future while also grappling with some financial challenges and realities that you know we haven't faced um, prior to the pandemic. So from your perspective, what do you see as being really um, important for healthcare organizations to continue to invest in right now, um, especially thinking through, you know, a, 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 um, limited resources on their end? Well, so this is the year of AI and large language models, right? So I, I would be remiss if I, if I didn't answer uh, in, in that context, but, but I'm going to put a twist on it. I think there is an impulse when people get their hands on a new technology to come at things from the perspective of, wow, there's this exciting technology, what, what can I do with it? And I, I, I go back to what I was talking about a minute ago. I think we need to look at it through the, the reverse lens, which is we have some very real pain and problems in our health systems. You know, again, not enough nursing staff, not enough clinic staff, uh, trouble servicing patients' needs with scheduling appointments, uh, or, or getting access to care, I think we need to ask how these, how this new technology, how these new capabilities can help us solve those problems. We don't need to go looking for, you know, new things to do or, uh, or something new, exciting. We, we have the problems that we need to solve. And this gives us a new set of capabilities and a new tool in the toolbox uh, to go do that. So I think the, the investment really is how do you take this new set of capabilities um, and use it to solve a problem that may be felt intractable 
previously and you felt like you couldn't make headway against it, but but maybe now we can. Got it. I, I, I really um, enjoy it and appreciate that. It's such, so important. Um, well, before we wrap up our conversation here, I'm just wondering, where do you see some of the best opportunities for growth and development in the future? I know we've talked a little bit about um, some of this, but just especially from a, a top digital health and IT executive for hospitals and health systems, um, you know, what's really the next step? Where do we go from here? Yeah, I think the thing that I'm most excited about really is about moving from sort of a reactive model uh, that that doesn't really serve people's needs to, you know, again, now that we have moved from paper to digital records, how do we take what's there? We have all of this information in people's health records. How do we use it to better serve their needs? Um, and so I'll go back to the experience that I had in my, in my clinic last week, you know, seeing uh, someone with diabetes where, you know, we, we had our conversation um, and I wrote out next steps that said, go get labs done next week, um, pick up this uh, new prescription for, uh, for a, a new kind of insulin, uh, adjust your insulin uh, up by two units, um, go see the podiatrist in a couple of weeks and here's the referral, uh, come back and see my nurse practitioner in four weeks uh, and here's information. And you know, today I kind of type all this information into the computer and while it's in the computer, nothing's happening with that information. I, I go home that night and I think to myself, you know, have I really given that person the tools to go accomplish those next steps? Um, how are, how are they going to take those next steps of making sure uh, that they, the referral gets processed and they get scheduled, that they, uh, know what lab tests need to be done and where to go and when to come get it done, uh, that they have the, the right ability to schedule with my nurse practitioner, that the prescription I wrote and thought I was sending to a pharmacy is going to be affordable for them, uh, that they're not going to have side effects the next week or that they're going to have questions about how to take it. So there's all of these loops that I created uh, in, in suggesting follow-up. And again, today our, our system, um, basically puts all of that on the patient. Um, you know, in an ideal world, we'd have enough staff in our clinics to help patients do all of those things, but no health system has enough staff to, uh, support the patient in every single one of those follow-up steps. And, and patients may not have, uh, the tools, uh, to do it themselves. And so how can we use intelligence to understand that those are the next steps in their care that uh, patients need to take uh, and, and help them, you know, give them the tools, give them the education, provide the electronic nudges, um, remove the barriers behind the scenes from that referral being processed. So I think what I'm most excited about over the coming years really is moving from, you know, V1 of, of digital in healthcare where we just have uh, free text notes to actually adding that layer of intelligence on top of the electronic health records um, that allow us to really support patients and doctors and care teams 
uh, again, as, as Eric Topol said, in restoring, you know, focusing on the doctor-patient relationship, um, aligning uh, interests between doctors and patients to support patients in getting the best care outcomes uh, that they want to achieve and, and removing those barriers uh, out of their way. I love that, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate it. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.